and and so we came up with the name mantis and that's after the little insect the prey mantis um but the beauty of the prey mantis is the acronym that we came up with and the acronym for for our hotel group and and the word mantis is man and nature together is sustainable which i think in this day and age is just so beautiful it works so well for us because that's what we're all about when we go to the reserve and we uh, you know we always try and save a, a rhino darting procedure for when we get there because then we get her to come with us and you know touch and feel the animal when it's sleeping and just understand the world of poaching and you know that we need to protect these things and and so so that she comes back and she can spread the gospel here you know we have a whole business with um, bear grills the adventurer and the explorer i mean it's a, it's a it's a very random world i mean i was sitting with some friends four nights ago having a having a, a braai and uh, suddenly i get a facetime call and i answer my phone and believe it or not it's uh, one of the spice girls uh, Jerry Hallowell phones me, and she says, "Hi, Paul. Um, you know, Bears put me in touch with you. Do you mind giving me some survival tips because I'm camping for the next two nights in my garden, and, and I'm struggling to light my fire." What's your life story? Welcome to Inspirational Interviews with Jen Rod, where you will discover everyday brave hearts connecting with their truth. Find out what inspires them to do what they love, how they got here and why they never give up. Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life with your host, Jen Rod. Hi guys, welcome back to Inspirational Interviews. I'm super excited about this conversation. It's with the infamous Paul Gardner, who is the CEO of the Mantis Group. He's a real globetrotter, should we say. I mean, how can you not be when you have hotels all around the world and you have the so-called bucket list, which you can present to, yeah, to to the world to say, you know, come stay in the Antarctica, come stay in uh, on the Zambezi River, you know, go have a glass of wine on Table Mountain. So, yeah, it's just a super cool conversation. Uh, they say that we become like the people we surround ourselves by. And if that's true, then you'll feel super positive after this interview because Paul's just this great optimistic open-hearted person and it was an honor for me to have this conversation with him so we're going to kick into that in a minute before we do just a quick heads up go to my instagram page jen rod or inspirational interviews with jen rod you'll find me on either of those uh routes and um yes just follow me there i'm always uh, busy with inspiring interviews and it's sort of the current affairs of inspirational interviews and then also share this on with a friend guys we always like to get uh, information or, or stories from our own sources. So if this in story inspires you, inspires you, then share this on with your friends, your family, whoever, um, sharing is caring and stories change lives. So share it on please. And the other thing is if you do like inspiring stories once a week, I host these podcast shows. So yeah, in your mailbox, if you go to my website, inspirationalinterviews.com, then you'll get a cool, uh, inspiring life story in your mailbox once a week. 
So guys, uh, lastly, I do interviews for people. So if anyone's needing interviews for their businesses or for um, just a personal reference of themselves or whatever the case may be, I do interviews out of the show. Um, I host talk shows as well for some people. So whatever it is you might need, let me know, Jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. So without any further ado, let's give a warm cyber welcome for Paul Gardiner. Paul, basically you're South African, you're living in the UK and... And um, you, you went to school with my brothers and um, that's where the connection is. And uh, basically, yeah, you, you're very involved in various, well, wildlife projects, but also within the hotel industry. Um, and, and you mentioned briefly, because we didn't go into much detail, but you also have one of your own sort of passion projects on the side, right? Yes, yeah, that's correct. So, uh, you know, um, Jen, I've, I've lived in the UK now for 18 years. I came over in 2003. Yeah. And um, the reason why I came here was because um, I'd come prior with all the South Africans. We all sort of flocked here. We could mm. come here for a period of two years on the, uh, as part of the Commonwealth visa. Yeah. And I really hated it. I came over here and I, and I just I spent five months here and, and – and, and then abandoned ship and left all my mates to carry on. And I, and I went back to, back to South Africa. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. And, and, and then I, I joined the family business and I, I got involved in, in marketing and sales. And, and, and obviously we, we, we had this uh, amazing product as in a, a game reserve, which my father started. And I'll tell you a bit about that. But yeah. um, it was um, my opportunity um, to, to learn the family business. And I did that for four years. In, from 98 to 2002 and then in 2003 dad dad said to me i need you in london would you would you go over there we need a family representative there you know most of our clientele come from from uh from great britain and 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 i kind of came over here kicking and screaming i didn't want to oh really because i'd had yeah. that bad experience and i just i just thought what what am i doing and and i yeah. one morning i just woke up in london five weeks into it and i thought what this is actually epic you know i can live my own life here i'm not in the shadow of dad yeah and 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 the, the business empire he was creating and uh, and sort of opportunity to cut my own teeth so it, it so the, the rest is kind of history in that regard so yeah mm. so just quickly so why didn't you like it when you first went I think it's just one of those things as a, as a youngster, uh, you know, some, some people are cut out for boarding school and some aren't, um, yeah. as an example. And, and I, I guess I, I just was one of those things I wasn't ready for. Um, I, maybe I, I wasn't sort of ready to be set free and maybe I just needed a bit more mentoring. I struggled at school academically and I struggled at university. I bombed out at Stellenbosch university. I lasted a year there. Yeah, and uh, and then I went to uh, PE Technicon, and uh, I don't know. I just probably wasn't prepared for for that chapter in my life yet. So um, I just couldn't sort of sink my teeth into a proper job, and um, I don't know. I just and I you know I'd also come out of the Eastern Cape bushveld. I'd been a game ranger. Okay. And 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 I you know you when you when you have those roots in in wildlife and wilderness, um, it's quite difficult to jump into a big urban city, mm -hmm. one of the biggest in the world, mm -hmm. uh, and not understanding fully the culture and all of that. So I think it was just a very personal thing. I, you know, it was probably a little bit embarrassing for me to jump on a plane and head back and start working for the family business. But, <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> you know? A bit embarrassing. <laughs> 
No, well, actually, it's so funny because Ken, my my brother, he also he also went over. For, I think he was there for I don't know. He was also there about six months, and he actually went over with John. But he was also like, no way, this is not for me. And he got yeah, out of go. there as quick as he got in. It was it's <laughs> the same thing. So yeah, so I wasn't alone. <laughs> no. Um, but um, cool. So. So then you, okay, so let's just quickly start from the beginning. So you mm. were born in South Africa. Yeah, Port um, Elizabeth. MPE, okay. And then um, you went to boarding school in Grahamstown. That's right. At St. Andrews. And while you, when you were born, um, I mean, while you were living in PE, at what point did your dad buy this farm? Okay, so uh, we were in PE, um, my my younger brother and I were told from a very young age that we were going to go to boarding school. We weren't too sure where, but Dad had been a board in Zimbabwe. He's a Zimba. Yeah. And he and he said, "Guys, you going?" And you know, Mary and I used to keep very quiet about it because we didn't want to go to boarding school. Yeah. Um. And uh. And we were sent. And so I went in 1988 to okay. St Andrews College in Grahamstown. Obviously, he was there with your brothers. Your brother and I, I think, arrived at the same in the same year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug, and then um. Uh, and then my brother arrived a year later. So, so we were in standard six and seven together. And, uh, and then dad bought the first farm when I was in standard seven in, in, in 89. And that little farm, he wanted his patch of Africa. Yeah. And he bought a thousand acre little game reserve between Grandstown and Port Elizabeth. So it was kind of right bang in the middle. And, and he bought it there because. Uh, firstly, he wanted to own his first little patch of Africa, and and he he bought it in that space so that we could meet there for weekends. Okay. So it was a little family retreat. And then, of course, the the, the Eastern Cape, as you know, is is uh, it's, it's a pretty arid area. You'll have like five years of great rain, and then twenty years of no rain. It's so backwards and forwards, up and down. It's a bloody tough place to farm. And um, of course, if you go back in the history books, you know the British. Settlers arrived there in 1820, um, and it's their 200th anniversary this year. And they oh, were wow. sent to the yeah they were sent to the Eastern Cape because of the Napoleonic Wars. You know there was a massive socio-economic crisis in the in the, uh, in, the in Britain and the rest of Europe, and so Britain said right, uh, you know the, the wars are over and we've got no work, so we'll send 6,000 of you down to the Eastern Cape. And they arrived on their ships and they were all issued an ox wagon and a head of oxen. And told to go settle the land. Yeah. And so, of course, they went uh, into the interior through that thick, bloody Eastern Cape bushveld. And you know how many, you know how thorny and impenetrable yeah, the thorny, it is. Yeah, I think of all the yeah. thorns. I know. Yeah. It's hectic. So those poor British really muscled their way through that. They would have hardened them up big time. And and then, of course, meeting all the wildlife and and the indigenous tribes along the way would have scared the hell out of them. But they pursued and settled the land and you know obviously when you start practicing agriculture all the wildlife gets wiped out but the beauty of them doing doing what they did was they diarized absolutely everything in the back of their bibles they used to have a diary they mm. wrote down all their wildlife and indigenous people encounters and if you fast forward to the 80s there was a lecturer from Rhodes University in Grahamstown his name was CJ Skeed who got hold of the bibles out of the Albany Museum I'm guessing and he published a book of all the wildlife that was encountered by the British settlers. Hmm. And somehow somebody gave this book to dad as a gift because he had bought his piece of land and he was starting to buy more and more land. What's the book called? And 
Um, it, I don't know the, the full title, but the, the author is C.J. Skeed, S-K-E-I-D. Okay. And it's kind of something about the encounters of the British settlers in the Eastern Cape. Yeah. And um, so that was the blueprint for Dad's vision for Shamwari Game Reserve. You know, it, it, there was no there was no sort of master plan. It 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 was the guide. The guide was this book of of the British settlers' encounters. So, yeah. So when your dad came um, to the land, there were no animals at that point. Everything had been wiped out. Yeah. You know, there wasn't. There wasn't. Uh, I think the only things that existed were a few bushbuck and kudu. You yeah. know, they're the great survivors, yeah. but nothing else. So, you know, even the dung beetles. The, the Seriously. Ox picker, yeah, the dung the beetles picker, even. Yeah, they got wiped well, because you dip your cows and then the. Uh, sorry, they, they were they were wiped out because they would feed off the elephant dung in that. Yeah. And, and of course, there were no longer elephants. But then also the oxpecker, the bird, would feed off the ticks of the wildlife. And then as soon as the farmers arrived and started dipping their cattle, the ticks became poison. The oxpeckers ate the ticks and they died out. So yeah. from the smallest to the biggest, everything went. Okay. So your da- anyway, so your, your, your dad came on and then he started to introduce wildlife back in to the land. That's right. So. Yeah. The first animals to arrive were, uh, if, I, if I'm correct, were five baby elephants. Okay. Uh, and so we had to figure out what fence would keep elephants in. Now, bearing in mind, we'd bought about 10 farms now. So, the, as I said, there was a huge drought and the farmers were dropping like flies and, and dad yeah. was picking up these farms yeah. for next to nothing. So we ended up with 10 farms and then, and then he th- read the book and started to think about rewilding. And in total, and, how big is, the, is that? How big is the land? Is that how big it is now still? Or no? To, so I'd say let's say it was then it was about ten thousand hectares. Today it's uh, around about twenty twenty five thousand hectares. Yeah. So it's a big block of land today. Okay. So that's about sixty thousand acres. Yeah. 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 And so what animals are there today, all of them, the big five? Yeah, I mean, so we started with the five baby Ellie's. We had to figure out what fence would keep elephants in. So we had to learn about electricity and fence heights and all of that through lots of trial and error. Yeah. I mean, we bought, we bought, uh, what what would happen in South Africa in the early 90s was Kruger National Park had way too many elephants and they culled massive herds of them and the babies were left out and the babies were translocated to places like Shamwari. Okay. So we ended up with a lot of babies, but they became complete rogues and delinquents because if you take the uh, matriarch out oh. of a, a system, the, the kids become rogues. Yeah. Like, like teenagers would, if, if their parents were taken out and you didn't, you didn't give them godparents, guardians. So yeah. it's the same thing. And so we had elephants chasing bloody Land Rovers around and breaking fences and you know they, they, were, they were terrible it was a nightmare yeah so we we eventually cottoned onto this um and we bought the first fully established herd yeah. from the biggest mom all the way down to the smallest baby down to shamwari and uh, they arrived and the big matriarch elephant took one look at the boma because you put them in a boma for a month to acclimatize it's like the size of a rugby field massive poles bolted into the ground electrified and you feed them a a high vitamin diet and you just let them settle and get used to the electric fence so that they they don't fiddle with a big fence that surrounds the huge farm and and then uh and then they and then you let them out a month later but this mother this giant matriarch was the last to step off the truck and she took one look at the boma and she crashed the whole thing down like like toothpicks (laughs) and we, we we had about a hundred journalists and celebrities and film crews, you name it, watching this, and they all scattered. People were climbing trees, hiding under vehicles, running to lodges. Oh, it gosh. was frightening. And she 
she led the whole herd that she, she had arrived without the reserve because she took one look at the boundary fence. Yeah. She lifted the electric fence right over her tusks, threw it over her head, and the rest of the herd followed. Wow. So we had mass breakouts. When was this? And this is in uh, about 95, I guess. Oh, okay. So still, yeah. still yeah. in the early, early days. days. Yeah. 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 So, um, okay. So the, the, so the, the lodge is called Shamwari? Yeah, the game reserve is called Shamwari. Uh, it, was, it started, as I say, in about 89. We opened yeah. our doors in 92. And we built it up into this great place. Put everything back. So the Ellie's, the rhinos, black and white, uh, the big five essentially. You know your leopards, lions, uh, buffalo, and then the rhino and elephant. Yeah. And then and then the small things, the dung beetles and and. How uh, did you do that? How like how did you put the dung beetles? Back? Well, if you remember, the Ada Elephant National Park is about forty-five minutes drive away from us, and they survived all the uh, the the land clearing and, and 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 hunting that took place in the Eastern Cape. So there were only eleven elephants left in Ada. And uh, and that population now sits at a, a close to a thousand, I reckon. Um, so they uh, they still had dung beetles. So we got them from Addo. So how did like what do you get the, the guys go out there? The trackers go out there and put a bunch of yeah, dung beetles you see in a dung box. Beetles all, and... all over the, yeah, no, I know, but and... is that what they did? So they went to like yeah, put them in a box and then brought it over to you. <laughs> yeah, you just find them a bit of dung and off they go, happy as Larry. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Are they not family? What what are the I mean, do you know much about the dung beetle? Not a hell of a lot. You know, I was a, I was a game ranger, but I wasn't the greatest. They're the flightless <laughs> dung beetles, so they couldn't fly from Ada. We had to go and fetch them. That yeah. much I do know. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So all right. So your dad's had this well, built up this amazing um game farm. Mm. And so how many lodges are on the farm now? They're probably about six or seven. So what I'll tell you now is just very quickly, uh, Dad almost lost absolutely everything he had invested into Shamwari. And we were almost pulled out of boarding school in 91, 92, mm-hmm. because uh, South Africa was on the brink of a civil war. And, uh, you know, we're coming out of apartheid. Mandela could have gone either way. And we obviously know what way he chose. And uh, and then 95 came along, and we, we were limping along. Dad was desperately trying to find an investor, and nobody wanted to help him. And uh, we hosted the World Cup in 1995. And yeah. um, obviously Mandela, you know, joined the rugby jersey, and we won the World Cup. And the world was watching. And they saw us pull off this global event, and the floodgates to tourism opened. And Shamwari was then the closest game reserve to Cape Town. And we also coined the phrase malaria-free. So... Suddenly, we, you know, it's all about location, location, location. And this was one of those classic examples where it just yeah. all worked so amazingly yeah. well. And so we, we fixed up a lot of the old settler homes. We put in some new lodges and we were ready to go when 95 happened. And, and so Shamwari just became this melting pot for, for safari. And, we, and, and all the farmers at once laughed at that because they all did. When, when they saw him bringing back the first five elephants, they, they used to, they used to be the, the, the local joke in the, in, the, in the pubs, you know, that Adrian will be gone in two, two yeah, years' time. Yeah. You know, this thing will fail. And they used to brag about how their great-grandparents shot out the last black rhino and hyena. Funny enough, now... What do you mean by probably, that? Well, because they, they they would talk about their great grandfathers shooting out the last uh, hyenas and the last lions and everything else, mm. um, because they were obviously fifth, sixth generation. Yeah, I understand now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they were sort of m- making sort of mockery or mention. 
yeah within yeah. the context of your dad now bringing animals back onto the yeah. land yeah yeah after after their grand great grand yeah to wipe them out wipe so, them out yeah but it, but it's quite ironic the wheel turns you know and, and now there are probably 20 uh, equivalents of shamari around us so um, that's a good thing so all those farmers have converted their lands to wildlands today yeah and they just you know it's turned the eastern cape into a wildlife destination so I think yeah. it, it was very pioneering of that. He was the first, and and uh, and and so there's so much more to it today than there yeah. ever was before. We compete with the likes of Kruger National Park now. You know, we've become a very serious game destination. Yeah. Also, because it's so. Do you share borders with the with other game farms around? Or there are a few. I think in the you know. But let, let me tell you what happened in two thousand and eight. Uh, because we actually sold Shamwari. We got out of it. We sold. Uh, three of our big game reserves that we had developed over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were approached by the Dubai government. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they wanted a piece of Africa. They were on a shopping spree throughout Africa. Um, they bought the waterfront in Cape Town. They bought various things. And, I like uh, how you say that. I mean, and it's so like yeah. typical, you know, they were on a shopping spree because, I mean, that's really what Dubai is, right? It's just like yeah. one big shopping center and um, it, it indoor is, uh, shopping center. And now they're coming to South Africa to go outdoor shopping. Yeah, but yeah, they uh, did. They, they bought, so they bought three of our reserves. So we, we exited and dad being, you know, he's a, as much as, as much as he is a conservationist, he's also an entrepreneur and we know what entrepreneurs do. They build up businesses and they sell them. Yeah. So, uh, he exited, but what we did was we kept our family lodge, which is now aptly named Founders Lodge, mm -hmm. because it's, there's a nice legacy story there. Yeah. We've turned it into a, we've turned it into an eco lodge, um, and we traverse on Shamwari, which means all our guests can go on game drives into Shamwari. So okay. we've got a little patch of it left. And and to answer your question, Shamwari does border one or two of the, the other reserves, and I, I think. In, in my lifetime, I'd love to see them start tearing down fences so that it just becomes one mega one reserve. One big one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so your dad sold out, but he still owns uh, Founders Lodge. Um, so yeah. basically, and then Founders Lodge is what, like a, a five-star lodge, uh, the same as all other game farm lodges. Yeah, uh, what's, what's quite unique about it, uh, Jen, is um, it sits on only 300 hectares. Yeah. Uh, which is fine because we don't have the, the, the cost of running a mega reserve today. Um, but we have the pleasure, our guests have the pleasure of enjoying the mega reserve across yeah. the way. Yeah. And uh, on the 300 hectares, we've got a, a small herd of white rhinos. Uh, we've got a blind black rhino. So if your wow. viewers want to find out more about our blind black rhino, his name is Munu, M-U-N-U. -U. Yeah. And Munu, the blind black rhino, is a very endangered um, species because there are only 250 of his kind left in South Africa and he was hammered in one of our national parks he was in a fight both his retinas were detached and Jeez. you know the, 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 the only two options were either we find a custodian for him in a new home or we put him down and uh, and we put our hand up and said listen we'd love to home him at, at Founders so we built a special enclosure for him there Mm. And he can never be set free, obviously, but it's a nice big enclosure. It's the size of a football field. Yeah. And uh, he has a little place that he can retreat to, retreat to, a little sheltered sanctuary area where he listens to a local radio station. So he's got his white noise and he knows where to go to <laughs> at night. This black and, rhino has his white noise. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, and uh, so he, uh, he has his little retreat and the idea is to try and find him a little a mate so that he can um, uh, breed eventually and maybe we can have some offspring, which would be amazing. So we, 
we um, we we uh, grow that endangered population. So mm. so it's a fun little reserve. And then the big thing that we're going to be doing there is you know it's all about innovation today in the world uh, in the world that we live in. And we're going to open and and dis- develop the first ever eco lodge innovation hub. So okay. we, we, we okay. So have... now is this where John comes in? Was this sort of the this because because one of the things he was also talking about? Well, he didn't mention the eco, but is this a new development now? The eco lodge? Uh, well, the, the lodge the lodge is there. It's got six rooms. The current founders lodge. Yeah. But what we're going to do is we're going to build four concept rooms okay. in, in one of the adjacent valleys, and the four rooms are going to be. You know, we're going to do two really unique tents. We're going to do a treehouse room, and we're going to do a pod. Mm-hmm. And and so, as a guest, you you can either stay in the main lodge, or you can you can come and uh, stay in something really unique, which runs on green energy. And you know, we're going to test solar. We're going to test uh, all kinds of efficiencies there, and try and get these rooms completely off the grid. Mm. Um, and the idea behind it is that when Mantis, um, well, when our group gets uh, investors that are interested in us developing an eco lodge because we do a lot of that for, for wealthy individuals they can come to the innovation hub and learn about uh, things that we're testing and then they can go back to their country of origin and uh, and, and decide what they want to put up um in, in their local country uh, so we okay. do a lot so of that like now. it's you know it's like some of these five-star mattress companies they give you the mattress exactly. and then well, you yeah. go stay in hotels where they have these mattresses and you test yeah. out the mattress and then you say, okay, cool, I like it. And then I want to yeah. have the same. So, so that's the principle okay. behind the innovation hub. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously this whole eco um, building is done. I mean, it's not a new thing, but is it new in South Africa? Is it new in, in the game lodge industry? I think as an innovation hub, it's new. I don't think anybody's doing that. But There's what do you no mean eco... by that then, as an innovation so, hub? Like... Okay, so so the <clears throat> idea behind it is you, you we, we, we build the concept rooms, okay, and, uh, and we're probably going to build a little campus. Um, and, and so we would get students out from a place like Silicon Valley or Scandinavia. There's a There's the equivalent of a Silicon Valley there. All these interesting people with just wanting to innovate and we'll give, we'll give them a problem and we'll say, right, we, we want to, we want to um, optimize our solo energy for these rooms. Can you mm-hmm. come and do a project on that and spend three months in the campus and, 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 and here's your playground. You've got the innovation hub to test things. And, oh my gosh, and I'd love to be one of these techno guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just come this for is three be a months fun and one. stay on a cool game farm. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> or, or we may say, listen, uh, obviously poaching has become rife and uh, we've got uh, a small population of, of white rhinos that are roaming 300 hectares. Why don't you come and test out, uh, you know, drone uh, technology and, and uh, or wildlife security technology okay. at the hub? So it doesn't necessarily need to be specific to the room. It can be specific to wildlife. It can be specific to coming up with the best and most innovative kids on safari program because, you know, wow. kids bounce around in a Land Rover for three hours because their parents force them to do it, but they absolutely hate it unless there's animals jumping out behind every bush. Well, we know that that doesn't happen. Yeah. So maybe the rangers should take the kids on a separate vehicle and and, and have a bunch of planks in the back and he opens it up and they go build a tree house yeah you know? yeah it's as simple as that but none of us are innovating in, in, in for the little guys so it's that's what it's going to become a melting pot for just clever stuff for the eco lodge space cool and then so basically the idea isn't is, is to invite um innovative uh 
companies and uh, people from all over the world to come here. And then is it the idea that you would host them in exchange for their sort of skills and um, research and input, basically? Yeah, I think we'd, we'd like to share and whatever their results are. And maybe somebody comes up with some genius way to, to save the rhino, you know. Well, yeah. then they have, to, they have partners with them. I mean, it hasn't been thought through in that much detail, but... You certainly, uh, you certainly are on, on to, uh, you, you, I think you're thinking around this, the same lines that we are. Yeah. So where did this come from? Where did this idea come from? So it's a good story because it actually came from a, a great friend of mine from St. Andrews, yeah. from where we were at school, a guy called Craig Llewellyn Williams. Yeah. Craig um, Williams. He, I know Craig. Yeah. Yeah. So Craig and I. Uh, Wasn't Craig and Rob's year? No, he was in my year. Was he in your year? Okay. Yeah, mine and Doug's year. Yeah. Yeah. So his his surname is a double barrel. It's Llewellyn Williams. So yeah. he's got Welsh uh, heritage. Okay. And uh, but he's a smart guy. He he works in the innovation space. Digital innovation is his game. Uh, and uh, he's based in London with me. And uh, the two of us just enjoy sitting around the fire talking about ideas. And 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 he said to me, you know, why don't you, with all the lodges in the Eastern Cape, why don't you set up an innovation hub? And we were thinking in Port Elizabeth. Then and then I said maybe we should do it out at the reserve and so we we shot a couple of videos on on our thoughts and and dreams on and vision for this yeah and we just had a call prior to you um, uh, prior to this conversation because we we need to um, regroup on it because of, because of COVID we've all sort of gone back into our shells but it's good timing now to start re- reviving it we we had a really good session this morning um, about some interesting stuff that we're going to add to our thinking so hopefully. When COVID lifts, we will start breaking ground on the innovation hub because at the moment it's just a, a, um, a box full of ideas that yeah. we now start need, need to start implementing. So, okay, so you and Craig came up. Well, Craig came up with the idea, and but with the two of you, it was sort of you know, it's like that expression, like when there's just one person, it's almost like there's nothing. But when there's mm. two, there's you know, the miracles start to happen. You know, so yeah. so basically, it was sort of between the two of you mirroring things that this really started to emerge um so founders lodge is is that owned by your dad that's right yeah, it's all a, right it's, so it's part of the group yeah and then but so where where are you so you tell me like what your involvement is uh sure, are you a so, shareholder or what's what's no, your direct so let, me, let me explain it to you so so um after after the success of shamwari so going all the way back to the 90s again we um, developed uh, another reserve near Cape Town um, called San Bona. We developed um, Jock Safari Lodge, which was the old Jock of the Bushveld camp in Kruger Park. Yeah. And, and, and we ended up with some city hotels too, one in Joburg, one in Cape Town. And suddenly we ended up with seven hotels in 2000. And then we thought, okay, it's time to actually put a brand on top of these seven hotels. And, and so we came up with the name Mantis. Okay. And that's after the little insect, the prey mantis. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, but the beauty of the prey mantis is the acronym that we came up with. And the acronym for, for our hotel group and, and the word mantis is man and nature together is sustainable. Okay. Which I think in this day and age is just so beautiful. It works so well for us. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're all about. You know, you, they go hand in hand. If they don't go hand in hand, it's broken. So, um so I work now uh, for for the group. Um, I'm the CEO. Dad is our chairman, and um, we are a group of hotels across the continent of Africa. So we're not restricted to South Africa today. 
Um, we also have a couple of hotels in London. And my responsibility being in the UK is to grow the Mantis brand beyond the borders of Africa. So Dad and the team are very active out of Port Elizabeth, where our head office is. Mm. And, and, uh, and they're doing great stuff throughout the continent. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't necessarily go on a shopping spree and buy things. We actually, because we've got so much intellectual property and capital today, we um, are often approached by wealthy individuals to develop lodges for them or hotels for them, project manage them, and ultimately run them for them. So we've got a whole um, management uh, team. We've got see. a development okay. team. We've, yeah. Yeah, so, so we've got, a, we, we call it the Mantis Big Five. So the first is development. So we can develop hotels. The second is uh, management. So we manage the hotel on their behalf. The third is marketing and sales. So we plug them into our distribution network. And then the last two are probably the most important, uh, education and conservation. So yeah. by, by education, we, we have a, a campus in, in Port Alfred in South Africa called Stenden University. And we, it's, it's uh, part of the largest hospitality school in the world. Uh, it sits in, in Europe, in, in, in Holland, funny enough, Which where one? you are. It's called Stenden. Yeah. And Stenden University has a campus in South Africa, oh, okay. in the Eastern Cape, in Port Alfred. And, yeah. and, and so we train lots of disadvantaged kids and, and, and privileged kids uh, in the world of hospitality. Yeah, but what's your connection then to Stenden? Are you running it? or, up or like uh, we, we founded it in, in South Africa um, with Stenden. We co-founded it. Okay. And, and today we, we had equity. We've, we've, um, we were out of that, but Dad is, um, uh, uh, he is on the board. So okay, so basically, but Stenden is a Dutch company. That's right. And you guys, um, did you contact Stenden to say, listen, we want to open up something in? It's funny, they were looking, actually. They were looking. And, and so it was one of those things. The stars aligned and we were put in touch with them and, and, uh, and we embraced the opportunity and we, 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 we uh, did the deal with them. Yeah, but I mean, how did they even know to come to you? Like, what was the connection? Through, from through, the, through the network, you know, somebody, somebody that we know in the Eastern Cape okay. uh, had been introduced to them and she introduced us. Okay. Yeah. And it's what is what is the the sort of um, mission of Stenden? What's their? So they are all about hospitality. So you get a degree in hospitality yeah. management. So in in Holland, for instance, they've got a hotel on the campus, and you learn the ins and outs of the trade from sales and marketing to food and beverage to you know back of house housekeeping okay. to reservation. So it's the whole turnkey solution for running a hotel. So they basically replicate that in South Africa. In South Africa, uh, our campus is the only one that offers a degree in hospitality management. So we get a lot of foreign students. And when I say foreign students, they're students from other parts of Africa. So Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Botswana, they all come down to this little campus to learn about the art of hospitality. Uh, okay. But it, so, because you also mentioned disadvantaged people, et cetera. Yeah. So, so we offer the bursary schemes and uh, scholarship schemes and that that we offer. Um, which is which is obviously very important because we like to and a lot of that students come to the campus too. So yeah. kids that are studying at the main campus in Holland get the opportunity to come down to, to the campus across. in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. But the the beauty of our campus is it's not just about um, a city hotel. We we offer lodge management course, a semester in lodge management and wildlife management. So mm. the students actually manage their own game reserve uh, near Grafrenet. And uh, that that wow. is such a cool story. What a cool experience! A, yeah, yeah. You imagine as a Dutch student or or any student for that matter that they go and they live on a game reserve for three months, 
and learn about learn how to run a game reserve. Yeah, I that's mean, that's, yeah. that's a lifetime experience. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So all right. So I you mentioned earlier you have a sibling. Yes. What's the? How many of you are there? Just you and a brother, or? Uh, we we got a sister as well. So my brother Murray uh, was at St Andrews with me, and he runs. He's in the travel business too. So he he started his little business out of his bedroom, and uh, yeah. it was a travel business. Uh, it was selling holidays, and uh, he's grown that now with his business partner Sean uh, to uh, 150 employees, and they're based out of Cape Town, and it's called Gilt Edge Travel. Yeah. And so, um, so he's not involved at all in the biz in Mantis. Uh, no, he is to a degree because they are shareholders in one of our um, our, our products, our yeah. hotel products, which is which is called the Zambezi Queen. It's actually a floating, it's a little uh, river cruise on the Zambezi oh, and, and Toby River. Yeah, so they're shareholders in that, but but he's not he's not involved in the day to day management. But they they are so important to our business because they send us lots of guests, lots of tourism. Yes, tourists. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's no, a nice just... distribution channel for us. Yeah. And then your sister is she also involved? Uh, she is. Um, she's married to a farmer in the in the Eastern Cape, uh, up in Tarkastat. Okay. Uh, and and they um, yeah they farm they farm up in the mountains. Yeah. Um, they uh, they beef farmers, uh, sheep farmers. Uh, yeah, they have a, a lovely life up north. Yeah. yeah. So, but is she involved in the business or she just... She's, no, no. Okay. So, yeah. earlier on you said, um, you know, you, when you were at school, like you weren't the the best student and, um, you know, you went, when you left, you didn't, you know, you kind of mm. bummed out of Stellenbosch University. So, like, here you are, you know, it sounds like a part of a very successful operation and certainly a very privileged upbringing. Mm. Um, like, did you have a – surely, they, like, what were your dreams as a young boy? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, you know, I'll come back to the academic side because uh, I can see it with my little daughter now, how she struggles. You know, schooling is not, and an, the academic side of it is not not for everybody. You know, it's if you've got a dyslexic kid, or and I'm bloody sure I've never been diagnosed as being dyslexic, but I'm bloody sure I am. Yeah. Um, because I I hacked my way through school. I was kept back at a very young age in, in standard two. Um, I, I just didn't get it, you know, and, uh, and, and, and then that was my wake up call and, and realized that I actually had to, you know, knuckle down and do some, some hard graft. What, when you uh, were, when, when you as were young like as standard two, yeah. 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because I'll never forget mom walking into my room saying I was going to be kept back. It was such a wake up call for me. And, but it was the best thing I ever did because, um, I think I was probably a bit immature for the year that I was in. Mm. Um, but but when I was matched up with 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 the year below me, it was fine. Everything was plain sailing, and uh, I was kind of the popular kid in the class, and everything just started falling into place. I suddenly found myself. Um, but I struggled through St Andrews. I, I had to learn so hard; it was unbelievable. I so mean, let me I'll just stop forget. you there for a second. So, guys, for yeah. those of you listening, so basically, St <laughs> Andrews is um, it's a, it's a private all boys school in, uh, the Eastern Cape in Grahamstown. And, um, is it, is it Scottish actually? I mean, it must be right with all the bagpipes and everything. Yeah, there's definitely Scottish roots there yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just one of these really traditional boys boarding schools and has lots of tradition, lots of history, 
um, just, yeah, a great sense of pride about the school. And um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, when you go there, you go to boarding school, you don't see your parents, you know, for, for weeks at a time. Um, and yeah, you got to sort of just, just, you know, get on with all these boys in the school and, mm. and get on without having your parents close by and, um, very rich in sports and arts and culture and all these good things. So, I mean, a very privileged school to go to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, at the same time, like when you're at this kind of school environment, you if there is some kind of difficulty, then that's also heightened because you've got nowhere to escape. You know, it's like you're there, you're stuck and you need to get on with life. And okay, so now back at you now, you're talking about school mm. was a bit tricky. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd say for me, more on the academic side. I mean, yeah. I remember my mate saying to me, Crikey, are you studying to become a doctor? That's how hard I had to study. And I still ended up getting a D in matric. So there you go. <laughs> and a D is what? I don't know, about a four. 50%. Oh, is it 50%? <laughs> yeah, that was my average. So you can imagine how, how disheartening that was for me. Ah, but your mum was happy you passed. <laughs> yeah, bloody right they were. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was fail at such an expensive school. And Dad um, was uh, almost having to pull us out because Shamwari was failing. So it, it was a lot of pressure at that young age yeah, to get so, through. So, okay, so because so, the question was, like, what mm. were your dreams? Like, so... I think, um, I think uh, yeah, I think academically, obviously, I struggled. And then... But I think Dad had planted the seed in me because all the while that I was at St Andrews, I, I, I could see what was going on on the side, and I would have bailed out of school at the drop of a hat if I could have, because I would have loved to have joined him with uh, on his rewilding mission, because obviously that was happening in parallel. And so I think that certainly planted the seed for me to get involved uh, in in that world, the world of conservation, the world of marketing, because that's ultimately where I headed um, as, a, as a youngster. I ended up studying marketing after dropping out at Stellenbosch. Mm. I went to Technicon and, 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 and uh, you know, I could just, I think I'm one of those people that, uh, I think St. Andrews taught me that is, you know, when you are th thrust into a boarding house with 60 boys, uh, 60, 70 boys that, from all walks of life, um, you are forced to make friends, you know, and you're forced to be gregarious. If, if you're going to do it alone, you're going to struggle. And I think, that taught us all a lesson. You had to, you had to be outgoing. You had to work the floor, otherwise you'd get bullied or whatever else. Yeah, um, yeah. And and it wasn't certainly wasn't for everybody. But um, I think that's where I sort of cut my teeth. And I, it kind of, I think that that's uh, be, being that sort of uh, nature and in personality and everything else. I was maybe cut out for marketing, and uh, I, I guess that was the the journey that I took. Um, I mean, but yeah, to... so I mean, basically, when you were younger, it's not like you had sort of a dream or no, not at all. No, uh, and I still, I think today, I mean, I often get asked that question. Do you? And I think, yeah, yeah, you do. But, you know, when you're in a business like we are, you know, and, and I'm on lots of speaking platforms, and that, yeah. and that, that, that question gets thrown at me, and I actually never know how to answer it because I'm still dreaming today. You know, yeah. I, I'm the type of guy that if somebody throws an opportunity my way, and I get this from dad. We pounce, you know. We can't, we can't resist the temptation to, to to grab hold of it. So, you know, I, I'm I'm forever thinking like that, and I I don't think that that my path is is um, set for me. And I love the fact that it isn't set for me, because life is this journey. I think um, 
I, I can't sit behind a desk for too long. I need to be out there looking for those opportunities. Yeah. I get bored. I get bored in meetings like I did sitting in class. I start yeah. daydreaming. And so, yeah. Were you sporty at school? Um, you know what? My big love was, and I'll, I'll tell you this story very quickly. So remember I told you I was kept back at school and I was old for school in standard five. Yeah. And that meant that in standard five. Well, um, you said standard two, huh? Yeah, standard two, I was kept back. But when okay. I got to standard five, I was suddenly 14 years old and everybody else was 13. Yeah. So they said to me, Paul, you're not allowed to play sport in standard five. And that was tough. And the, and the, the teacher said to me, there's only one thing you can do. And you can run the last race of the athletics event at the end of the year. And that was the thousand meters. And in a way, I was quite pleased about that because it set my whole um, track on, on running. And today mm. it, it's, it, it's my savior in life, long distance running. And I became quite a, quite, not a, a legendary runner, but I became quite a good runner at St. Andrews. It was my thing. Athletics. And the sports day at St. Andrews is one of the biggest weekends of, of, of the year. Yeah. And I lived for that. And I still have dreams about that, that running those races, those long distance races. Um, and, and so um, my running to my, my sport today is running and, and running is what I did at St. Andrews. And uh, yeah, it's my absolute passion. Yeah. So you had that also, you had that mm. as your, cause often that's the case, right? Um, you know, when, when one's not like the best yeah, academically, academically then they, they can yeah. be, they can excel in sports. Yeah. Yeah. Quite right. Yeah. So I wasn't the greatest rugby player. I think I got as high as seconds and I wasn't the greatest cricketer. I would, I would bat last and, and field and I wouldn't bowl, but it was a fun day out with the guys. Yeah. Um, but, but athletics was my thing. Yeah. You know? and, and, and fortunately it's remained with me. It's kept me healthy. I went through a very bad patch of chronic insomnia for about 10 years. Mm. And I tell you, if I didn't have running, um, I would probably be on on sleeping aids and everything else. And I managed to stay off all of that. I just kept it natural. I tired myself out naturally. Yeah. Got the endorphins going, and it pulled me through a very dark time in my life. It was. Uh, it's been. It's been incredible. And and uh, I I always encourage it to anybody that's feeling down or whatever. Just get on the road. Go and enjoy nature. And, yeah. and it's the best medicine in the world. I promise you. Well, I have to be, I mean, you do sound like a very positive person. Like you have that in your voice, huh? You've got like this positive, you do have, like you spoke about just now, you said, you know, when an opportunity comes your way or with dad mm. or, you know, you, you go for it and you, 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 you know, you get on board with it and you want to know more about it. And, um, you know, that it's, it's a very, uh, optimistic, you have a very optimistic energy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's not, it's, it's, I think it's easier said than done. I mean, there are days when I'm down and, and, and whatever else. I think we all go through that. But um, yeah, I, like, I mean, dad doesn't have a negative bone in his body. Not. I think, uh, yeah, and I look at him as, as quite a mentor for a lot of our team um, in, in Mantis today. Um, because as soon as you bring up something negative in a meeting, my God, you're going to get shot down very quickly. Really? By him. Yeah. yeah. He, he shuts it down very quickly. He says, always look for the opportunity, even if it's the most negative thing, something positive is going to come out of it. Like with COVID now, you know, uh, you know, what is, what are the opportunities for Mantis? Because we've got 39 hotels, all of them are closed and have been for three months and probably going to be closed for a good few months to come. Mm. And how the hell do we dig ourselves out of this hole? He's the man to go and talk to because I'm sure he's got, uh, he's got something up his sleeve that none of us can even see yet. Your dad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's brutal. I mean, it's properly brutal. So what are okay? Well, I'll, I'll get onto that in a sec. I, do, I am curious about what your your mm. your ideas are there. But so, what is it like working with your dad? You know, I, I see a lot of guys who can't do it, and they tear their hair out, and they eventually break away. Um, and 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 it's uh, it's 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 very challenging for them but i've been very fortunate that i think just in, in my dna I'm a, I'm a non-confrontational person yeah okay um which, which i think really helps because you know he's he's pretty much an alpha male and and Is he? Uh, he, he he dominates in meetings and, and uh, but he's he's also very well respected and very very giving person mm. um so he's got a lot of brilliant stuff about him but um i think the fact that i'm non-confrontational helps uh, so it's, it's, I think it's that's what what's made it work, and I it's think like I the yin also, and the yang, yeah, yeah. I think definitely, and I think also what helps is the fact that we're in different countries, so we're not sitting on top of each other. Mm. You know, I'm here, he's there, he's got his team, I've got my little team over here, and we we sort of have independent silos almost, but we speak every day, so that's uh, yeah. I think it's been very complimentary. We're very fortunate. And now are you happy to be in the UK? I mean, you could be in Africa where the weather is like one of the best <laughs> weather cl climates in the world. I should be asking you that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're welcome to, but this is your interview. <laughs> I'm yeah, happy to dish uh, any information out. <laughs> it's, uh, I've, I've, as I said, I mean, I've, I just gradually started falling in love with this place. I, what I love about being in the UK is obviously, you, you, you know, um, as, as Branson once said, uh, the opportunities in London are like a red bus. They come around every couple of minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and so I enjoy that part of it. Um, are you based we, in London or where? You... No, I, I was for 15 years, but we live in Surrey now okay. in, a little, in a little village called Godalming. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very Harry Potterish. Yeah. But, uh, so we we've got a nice little pad out here, and, and we're very happy as a family here. But um, I I think where we are very fortunate is that um, we get to go back to South Africa probably three times a year. Um, obviously that was pre-COVID, but um, mm. so that 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 keeps keeps um, our connectivity with Africa very strong, and we appreciate it so much more. Yeah. Um, when we go back for a month, when our little one is on holiday, we go together as a family. I dive straight into the office there, and and um, but we appreciate going home and just the South African quirks. But and that is that amazing. That that is mm. an amazing setup, right? Where because it's it's great living in Europe. I mean, I think yeah. Europe is. I mean, it's such a rich. There's so much culture, and and when I say Europe, obviously I'm in the Netherlands. I mean, I was in England. I was in London for ten years as well. So, mm. um, you know, it's 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 beautiful. I love it as well. It's just obviously if you're South African, you know, it's that sunny, the sunny skies that you miss. Um, but if you if you have that opportunity to go back three times a year, and in your case, you're not missing out on work. So, you know, yeah. that keeps the kids happy. It keeps the. I, I presume your wife is is she South African she's, as well? She's an Eastern Cape. Too, yeah. Okay, so I mean, mm. what a beautiful privileged setup. Very privileged, yeah, and and I think even more importantly for us is we don't want our little child Rosie to just be brought up in an English environment. We, yeah, we really. Yeah, is her name just... Rosie? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Typical English Rose. Yeah, there we go. No. So anyway, but Rosie gets to express. So when we go to the reserve, and we, uh, you know, we always try and save a, a rhino darting. Uh, um, procedure 
for when we get there because then we get her to come with us and you know touch yeah. and feel the animal when it's sleeping and just understand the world of poaching and you know that we need to protect these things and and so so that she comes back and she can spread the gospel here and i think when she gets older um she'll probably start bringing little mates along with her and, and, and we can get them to become little ambassadors. So there's a bigger picture there. I think it's, uh, it's all good. Yeah. But, but you're right. We are very privileged and I don't think we, uh, you know, probably don't appreciate that much enough. It is, it is very, a very lucky thing to, um, to be involved with. Yeah. And so what, um, you know, cause I asked you about working with your dad. So is mm. there a sort of, is this sort of, take it as it comes or is there a bigger picture plan there? Uh, you know, what we did, um, Jen, was we sold half of our group in 2018. So half of Mantis, we sold to Accor Hotels and Accor are the biggest hotel group in Europe and they're yeah. number two in the world to Marriott. Mm-hmm. So they're one of the big players and they're a French listed company. Yeah. And, um, and so we, um, that was quite strategic in that, uh, for them, they they were fairly weak in sub-Saharan Africa, and so Mantis gave them that strength. So that's one of the reasons they acquired us, and they also acquired us because they now suddenly own an Eco Lodge brand, which is quite interesting because mm. it's something that the Marriott, the Hiltons, the Hyatts, Radisson don't have. Yeah, Accor suddenly do, particularly now. And so for them, it was strategic, and for us, it was also strategic in that we suddenly had a global distribution system that we had never had before. Yeah. And we also have this amazingly big, um, powerful uh, um, loyalty program. So um, it's a nice nice fit for both of us. And what we did was immediately upon um, signing, we, we also formed uh, for, uh, and, and, and set up an NGO called Community Conservation Fund for Africa. Mm-hmm. And the idea there is to raise lots of money, turn this into Africa's largest hospitality fund, and charity and uh, and raise big money for projects that uh, you know are all about uplifting communities on the periphery of, of wildlife reserves in Africa so that they if they are looked after and supported through setting up little businesses in that uh, they will uh, realize the importance of tourism and protect the wildlife yeah so you know it's it says what it is on the jar community and conservation and um, so that's uh, that, that's a, a nice uh, uh, outcome of, of the deal that we did with Accor. And, and so your, to answer your question, you know, the succession plan, because dad's 77 now, yeah. you know, he won't, he won't quit. And, and if he did quit, I think he'd fall down dead because nobody's going to take it away from him. He just, he it's loves what he blood. does. It's in his blood. Yeah. It's yeah, who he yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he's, and he works harder than the youngest person in that office as a, as a 77 year old. So you can imagine. Uh, and then, you know, obviously I'm their CEO uh, we, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. You know, hopefully we're, we're in it for longer with Accor, but there are various options on the table and they may take a greater stake in us in a few years' time. And then we'll see what the next chapter uh, involves for myself, you know. And, and, you know, if Dad's still around, we'll probably go off on another journey. Who, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But so we, we, don't, we don't think too far ahead, but we'd love to be and remain with, with Mantis and the foundation. And I, I think it's I, I think Accor wants us as much as we want to remain involved. So there's certainly nothing on there. Right. What's the what's the split? Is it 50-50? It's 50-50 at, the, at yeah. this time. Yeah. 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 So and now this um this project um the eco project that you started developing with uh, Craig Llewellyn Williams. Yes. So um that's now still sort of bubbling in a box, right? Yeah. 
So, um, Jen, with regards to that, so when we sold half of Mantis to Accor, they don't own 50% of the lodges or 50% of our hotel in London or whatever else. They only own half of Mantis, which is the management company. Mm-hmm. So we haven't sold the, the assets, the, the actual reserve yes. and, and, the, and that. So, so uh, the Eco Lodge, if, 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 if we were to eventually sell uh, Accor outright to, to the Accor guys, sorry, sell Mantis outright to the Accor guys, we'd still be left with the properties, which would still then be managed by Accor. But, so we still have free reign to go on this journey with the Eco Lodge. And, and yeah, we've got big, big dreams for that and big aspirations for that because I think that it gets very interesting. Uh, you know, certainly if you look at, let's just talk about coming out of COVID. Mm. I think um, uh, there's going to be a lot of distressed eco lodges out there. Uh, you know, people that are geared to the hilt and, and they've, they've got big debt and whatever else. And they've got these beautiful, passionate, they're super passionate about their eco lodges. And now they're suddenly scratching their heads thinking, God, we're going to have to give this passion project up. Yeah. And so, so what, we, what we're doing, and this is all part of our eco innovation space, is we're looking at raising a fund um, which is going to be called a, a Ecologic Investment Fund. Mm. And, uh, and the idea is not necessarily to be seen as a vulture and swooping in on, on, on trying to um, uh, uh, pick up distressed properties, but we'd rather be seen as helpers, come in, take some equity in these lodges and get them back on their feet. And, and, and so we're going to raise a, a fund of about $30 million um, fairly quickly. We want to launch this quite soon. Yeah, and 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 this, the idea is to resuscitate a lot of these ecologies that are struggling across Africa, and um, and so that's going to be, you know, then I think the the, the eco uh, lodge innovation hub is uh, is being set up to take innovation into these different lodges. It's they they are still investors out there that want us to develop brand new lodges for them. So the eco lodge innovation hub will be used to make sure that they do those properly. So I think life after COVID for Mantis is, is trying to spread our eco-lodge DNA across not but just so, Africa, but okay, internationally. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to raise funds through the, your, this idea that hasn't, that's not even like in existence yet? No, so the, eco, the eco-lodge investment fund will be raised. So we're going to go to family offices, wealthy individuals and say, guys, we're putting a uh, interesting pipeline together of people that need our help in the ecologic space across Africa. Yeah. Would you like to put a million dollars into yeah. this investment fund? We're going to cap it at 30 and then we're going to go and cherry pick some of these good assets that we believe we can turn around into lucrative businesses. But then will uh, you own a percentage? What's... Probably the, the fund would own a percentage. Yeah. The fund. Yeah. Yeah. And Which, then Mantis... which you, own. you own the fund. Yeah, well, we're going to set the fund up, but the yeah. fund will essentially be owned by all those investors. Yeah, 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 okay. It. And then yeah. would these investors all indirectly have a little bit of a yeah, share? Yeah, they'll have a piece of the, yeah. piece of the pie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually we'll we'll hopefully turn some of these things around and be able to sell them on to other investors. Yeah, so, that's great. I mean, you know, yeah. if you have the power to do that and you're, you know, you, you're in there and, you you know, you have that network and, like I say, the power, you know, that's such an amazing Mm. initiative you know to resuscitate these poor struggling businesses but you're going to focus on the eco businesses in yeah Africa. i think we, we so we wouldn't we wouldn't take this to an urban environment no. this is purely going to be 
um, uh, where they call them ESG funds. And ESG stands for uh, Environmental Social Governance Funds. And they were becoming very popular just pre-COVID. Okay. And, 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 and so people with, with big uh, investment portfolios would allocate, say, 10% to ESG, which is all about giving back and social impact and mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, the returns might not be massive, but they see them as conscious fund investments. They, they it seem to be uh, they, they're good to be uh, seen to be doing those, and and so they're becoming more and more popular. So this would almost be positioned as an ESG fund, um, one with impact yeah. uh, that may not see the massive returns that you'd expect as an investor, but it's a good one to be involved in because you should be doing it. Well, it's a good and one to have your name on, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um... So tell me, like, all these things going on, and obviously, I mean, you just, you talk about the fact that you, you know, you, you've just, you know, you really wanted to be a part of your dad's uh, initiative while you were at school, and, um, mm. like, what turns you on about this? You know, what gets you, ex what exactly is it that's getting you so excited every day what, about what this? What gets me out of bed? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's difficult getting out of bed these days when times are so tough. But I think uh, I, I think it's these types of ideas, you know. I mean, now, <laughs> well, I'm you have how, how many empty beds do you have at the moment? Yeah, they're plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse oh the gosh, pun. Yeah. I know. Oh. Um, but but it's uh, it, I think it's ideas like this, you know. Suddenly, I'm having to learn about private equity. I don't know nothing about private equity, but I'll go down that journey and learn the the you know the, the basics of of raising a fund. So that's mm. a new initiative. And then yeah. innovation, you know, we're going to try and partner with some of the Ivy League schools. Um, so the innovation hub, we, we're going to start talking to some of the big universities in America and, and here um, about, uh, you know, potentially sending students to the innovation hub um, and then maybe tapping into Silicon Valley, as I mentioned, and Scandinavia and those interesting places. I love all of that. And it's just it's spitballing ideas around the hub. So it's the um, connecting also. It's the fact that you're, you're connecting like this, this um, business, you know, this, this, this is your vehicle to, to actually connect you yeah, with right. interesting human beings. Yeah. There's no doubt. You know, I think it, it's a door opener. We've built up a massive network over the years. Um, and and so it, it 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 is the it's the gateway to the world yeah. of connections and I, and I love it and I'm quite a, I enjoy my networking I, I must say it's amazing the different people I mean uh, you know we have a whole business with um, Bear Grylls the adventurer and the explorer yeah so talk to me about that yeah so so um, so I, who's Bear Grylls okay so Bear Bear is the face of adventure exploration. Uh, he's, is that his so, Christian so, name? Christian, uh, I say Christian, actually, but birth name. It's, it's actually Edward. Edward Grills, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's little. He's he's. I think his older sister used to call him Bear um, when he was a kid, and and it stuck. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you go back ten years, and whenever you switched on Discovery Channel, you know you'd see Man versus Wild. That was his big show. Yeah. And that's what put him on the global map, the Discovery Channel. And uh, it was a great show about him going out and just surviving and, you know, building shelters and dynamic self-rescue and eating rats and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And he, and he took what he learned in the SAS and turned it into a TV show. Um, he was also the youngest Brit. To SAS? Some, uh, the, the, uh, it's the military, effectively. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, he, uh, he was the youngest um, 
a Brit to summit Mount Everest. And, and he did that after breaking his back in a parachuting accident in Zimbabwe. He was told he'd never walk again. Wow. And when he was lying in bed, he asked somebody to put a Mount Everest poster at the end of his bed. And he, and he promised himself that he'd do it. And he did it about a year or a year and a half later. So very wow. inspirational guy. I mean, he's written so many books and all over TV. He's, he's on Netflix. He's on Amazon. He's on um, a lot of the British channels, Chinese yeah. television, uh, and, and that Geo, National Geographic channel. He is massive. He's a true global brand today. Yeah. And so I, I met him several years ago. Um, my wife somehow got to him. We were at a fundraiser. And we got, we got chatting about, you know, life outside of TV and whether we could do something with his brand. And he jumped at the, the opportunity. And, and, and so I came up with the idea of setting up um, the Bear Grylls Survival Academy, which is effectively taking what he does on TV and bringing it to life for kids, for adults, for corporates. And, and so they go have a lot of fun in the wilderness using, and we, we use his name to draw people to, to come up these experiences. Now, Bear obviously can't be there, but we are, we, we have a whole academy. <laughs> it sounds so funny. Bear obviously can't be there, but <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's cause it's, you know, it's the wildlife. Yeah. Anyway, that's my sense no, of humor. I mean, anyway. he's a, <laughs> Bear yeah. can't be there, but uh, we have his name and he's going to help us build this academy. Yeah, and, and, he, and he trains all our instructors up and they're all trained in the realm of, of Bear. And, uh, and so we've got a great pool of about 120 instructors across the UK that are trained uh, to be Bear Grylls instructors. So yeah. we run these courses um, on, on weekends and, and, uh, and corporate team building whenever. I mean, we've taken Jeff Bezos and, and his team from Amazon out on an yeah. expedition as an example. So, um, so, so, is this taking them to South Africa now, or is it because no, training them, in the UK? And then, how does yeah, it we've work? got we've got locations across the UK, from the Highlands of Scotland oh, to Brick and Beacons to all sorts of places. Um, we've got locations across China with our partners there. Uh, we are about to open um, a location in the mountains and in the UAE um, in, a, in one of the Emirates called Ras Al Khaimah. Yeah. So it's near, near Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk, we're having extensive conversations with the Saudis because they're keen to take him there. Um, and we, then this would be survival in these different climates. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we tailor make survival courses in desert or jungle. Oh my gosh, that is wherever. so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cool little cool little business, and it's been a that's been a fun journey. And you know, there's a classic example. You asked me about you know me having a this vision for my life. Yeah. And you know, I I I, I met Bear, and I came up with an idea, and suddenly we off on another journey. So it wasn't like I'd planned that 15, 20 years ago when I was younger. No, but what's interesting is that um, is that you did study marketing, which is a very mm. creative. Um, process, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, like when you did decide to, why, why did you decide to do marketing? What were you studying at Stellenbosch? I I followed my dad, and I, you know, he, he said be calm because it's all yeah, it's, it's, it's all the rounded. Basics. And, and, and I and I always wanted to be this businessman, you know. I guess you always look up to your dad, and 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 I, I like the diversity of what he did, and I wanted to be like that. Yeah. So I guess that's why. Um, I gave the, the business uh, degree a shot and, and then I failed at that. And then marketing was uh, very broad. It was quite a good course in that you did, you know, economics, you did 
uh, advertising, you did mm. statistics, you did all the stuff um, that uh, it just it was so broad. So uh, it just gave me a, a, a bite of, of all the different cherries that that come with um, with business, I guess. Probably yeah, not well, enough, it's exactly no it was adequate. But I mean, it's the foundation, and so yeah. uh, in alignment with with the path that you have actually committed your life to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very random world. I mean, I was sitting with some friends four nights ago, mm. having a, having a, a braai and uh, suddenly I get a FaceTime call and I answer my phone and believe it or not, it's uh, one of the Spice Girls. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Halliwell. Yeah. And she says, hi, Paul, um, you know, Bears put me in touch with you. Do you mind giving me some survival tips because I'm camping for the next two nights in my garden and, and I'm struggling to light my fire? <laughs> Serious? No, come on. That's <laughs> really good. Why doesn't so, she just ask Bear? <laughs> no, it's, it, was it, was it a just, joke? Was it an April no, Fool's? No, it wasn't a joke at all. No, it was a genuine request. So that's how was it what so, kind of was it a genuine request or <laughs> no it was so, tongue-in-cheek we, we, had a, yeah. we, had, we, we chatted for about uh, probably chatted for about 20 minutes it was a, a really fun conversation yeah I, mean, I didn't know this woman from a bar of soap obviously i knew that she was very famous back in the day and they still are pretty pretty famous yeah. and, was your wife and, happy uh, about this conversation yeah she was sitting next to me don't <laughs> worry <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm just phoning to find out how I can light this fire. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so I see that as uh, as a as an opportunity. I don't just think, okay, this is a bit of a a, a weird conversation. I, no, I but to... it's exactly you're open. This is the thing, yeah. right? And I think that that's also what I was meaning earlier. You know, yeah. when I was saying, also, you sound very optimistic. You sound like a positive person, and it's also it's it's that. It's open. It's this openness. You have this, mm. you know, I mean, you and I have probably met, I don't know, maybe in passing many yeah. years ago, but we don't know each other. And yeah. we're just having a very easy, open conversation. But you you allow for that, you know? I think I think you're right. I think, you know, a lot of people are sheltered. I maybe give away too much, but I also I think people resonate to that because so, so, most people are closed books, you know? Yeah, and but is I use such that a to thing, my advantage you know, as giving I think, away? Yeah, I, I think it's bullshit. I think you've got to, you know, if you open and honest from the start, well, people quite enjoy doing business with you. And I think that's, um, uh, you've got to be careful too, obviously, because there are people that take advantage. And um, and, and maybe that's my one of my flaws, but um, I haven't had too many of those in my life, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but but uh, there are lessons to be taken from that. So, but, you know, just talking about the Jerry Halliwell conversation. Yeah. So, I always I said to you earlier on, I'm an opportunist. Yeah. So I said to Jerry. So what opportunity did you take? <laughs> well, immediately I thought, did okay. Did you say, well, can I a... come over and light your fire? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> that would have sounded awful. <laughs> but I said to her, listen, um, have you been to Africa before? And she said, uh, I think she'd been very remote somewhere, but I, I, she hadn't been to a game reserve. So I said, well, what I'd love to do is to invite you and your family down to South Africa, to Founders Lodge. Let me plan one of these rhino uh, procedures with you. I'll get you in the helicopter. We'll get you with a vet darting the rhino. You get some amazing photos. You're going to learn a lot on that trip. It'll be one of the most memorable holidays you've ever experienced in your life. And uh, and so that's kind of where I left the conversation. And and she she really took that on board. So 
I think it's it's growing, you know, and then if I'm hosting that, I know that there'll be other stuff we can do together. I'm sure of it because yeah. she's such a nice, fun person. Yeah. And and I'd love to get her to become an ambassador for, for rhino conservation. If nothing comes of it, great. She's had a great holiday and she's spoken about it to her mates. And, yeah, and, but come and, on. And they're no loser. Every, every, uh, every celebrity wants to have you know, a good image. So, mm. I mean, if you are a part of the rhino conservation, you'll definitely get a lot of stamps there. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you brief, because I know we've been talking for quite a while, but I'll, no, it's I'll fine. You, I'm watching the time. Don't worry. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you briefly about my latest venture. And this, okay. Before so, you do, before you do yeah. then, I, cause I, I wanted to mention this quickly earlier. Okay. Um, it was not mentioned, but to ask, um, because you're a part of this empire and, you know, you're telling more and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing more and more of, you know, how, yeah, what an awesome life you're living. I mean, what a dynamic, cool, privileged, also hardworking it sounds, but you, you mm. are part of such a cool journey. Um, and obviously this is on the, you know, the back end of your dad starting this game farm for, mm. you know, to be the halfway house between you, uh, between your school and your home in, in Port Elizabeth. So, um, and also your dad's passion for, for, for farming, for gay, you know, coming from Zimbabwe, etc. cetera. Um, but so now, you know, that was the start and, and now you guys are where you are, this global empire. Um, like what would you say has been your, most valuable input to this business getting to where it is today? I think, um, and it, you know, we, we always talk about uh, me or dad, and I think it's more the team. Uh, we, we always resonate back to the team because dad's got the most amazing loyalty, um, and, and I, I've loved that because you have staff that stick around forever, mm. and, and that's so nice to see. And so we, we're a team, and I think the um, I think for me um, and, and our little team over here, um, several years ago, you know, somebody piped up and said, you know, Mantis, this is such an interesting group. You, you guys have got the bucket list of, of uh, things to do in life. And it was kind of after that movie had come out, Bucket List. Yeah. And um, it suddenly dawned on me, you know, why are we just restricting ourselves to Africa? We, we could go partner with properties on all all the continents. Mm. And so a friend of but what mine. Did they, had, sorry, what did they mean by you've got the bucket list? You've got it. Okay. So, so you could go gorilla trekking with mantis. You'd go see the big five with mantis. Okay, you could yeah. go sailing on their boats on the Zambezi and see the Victoria Falls, one of the seven wonders of the world. You could go and have a glass of wine on Table Mountain, you know? Yeah. And, and so all those things that people want to do in their life, but restricted to Africa, let's take this beyond the borders of the, of the continent. So, so um, I said, okay, well, let me, let me, let me see what I can do. And, 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 um, I think that was the penny dropped in, and, and so I got hold of a guy who owned this this uh, the only lodge on Antarctica, and I said, "Could we partner with you, and be a strategic partner?" And and uh, is a most beautiful lodge. It's called White Desert, mm. and so we have this strategic alliance with Patrick and and his wife Robin, and uh, we we uh, assist them with the marketing of this this gorgeous lodge, and it's only a five hour flight from Cape Town, believe it or not. And you land in, yeah, you land in Antarctica and, and uh, at the Russian air base. It's now changed. He's built his own airstrip. And you, you get escorted off to these, uh, these uh, sort of igloo-shaped um, little uh, uh, Lodge. dome, dome lodges on, yeah. uh, bolted down onto the rocks. And we only open for, I think, two or three months of the year because it's obviously a very small window. Um, but it is one of the most remarkable experiences. And um, 
So then I said, okay, well, let's go to South America. Let's go to North America. Let's go to Australia and uh, Europe and everywhere else. And we, we started aligning ourselves with uh, ecologists and boutique hotels on all seven continents. Yeah. And suddenly, before we knew it, we were the only hotel group on the world with a presence on all seven continents. Wow. So I think for me, that was one of the clever things that I did with the team uh, was that we, we established this, this global presence. And I think what that did was when we, we did the deal with Accor, they quite liked that idea and said, okay, this, they, they could see the, the, the vision of the gardeners and the vision of mantles. Mm. Uh, and so I think that was, that was a nice big stepping stone into the international world. It was a big step out of Africa for us. Yeah. And now we're going to try and, we're going to try and make that even more of a reality. What do you mean? Well, just g- grow our presence on all the seven continents yeah. in a bigger way. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and really consumerize the, the Mantis brand because very few people know today, and we can only do that with our big brother, uh, Accor. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it I, costs money to grow a brand. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, it's the, the trust and the, the security, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So, he, you know, hearing what you're saying now, then I think, you know, it's, it's very much, again, what I, what I mentioned earlier, it's your openness. It's, it's <laughs> this, it's this people, you know, connecting with people being open mm. that yeah. that's your biggest like asset and, and strength. That's, um, and also, but that, this is the vehicle that allows you to be connecting with these there amazing people. It's a hundred percent. It's without yeah. the vehicle, it would be a very diff- different world for me. And I think, you know, I think you were, you, I know with your interviews, you're always on a mission to unearth something about a person and not a business. Yeah. And you probably, you've probably unearthed that about me, <laughs> uh, which is lovely to hear. And I'm very grateful that you, uh, that you, that you say that about me. That's very kind of you. Yeah, well, it's, well, thank you. But it's, it's, I mean, it's just an observation, you know, and hearing like your whole journey and, um, you know, just looking at your whole life as a whole and, and seeing what's, well, just connecting the dots really, you know, of, um, yeah, of your, of your journey, which is, it's a love, it's such a beautiful journey. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so nice because the more people, you know, who are connecting with their truth and the more people are out there and doing what they love, then the better the world would be because ultimately people who do have this open heart are generally always looking to connect with love, right? I mean, that's the ultimate source. Yeah, to do good. Yeah, to do good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So quickly now, yeah, on closing, so we'll work towards closing off. So tell me now, you, you were mentioning this project. Okay, so I told you my passion is running. Yeah. My other passion is conservation, obviously. Yeah. So I'm putting the two together. Now, if you think about carpool karaoke, <laughs> it's James, James Corden, okay. he, he, he uses yeah. a, a vehicle as the platform. Yeah. And singing. And a Land Rover. As, as the, <laughs> Not just as, any vehicle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, it, but, it, but, but that's his platform. Like yeah. your platform is, uh, you know, unearthing something about an individual. So what is... So I took those all all of these different models and uh, and we 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 I had a little working group of friends and we came up with this idea of combining because I love TV I, I'm fascinated by the world of production and TV and film and 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 particularly now that you can just snap things together on your phone and I have a lot of fun with that with my little daughter and we we shoot cooking videos together and and if there's anything conservation orientated going on I always film it with my phone and I've just learned 
and, and, and taught myself to edit yeah. and put cool music to it because I just think if you get that right, it smashes it out the park. Yeah. And so, um, so that's, that, this, is a, this is a complete hobby for me. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was with this little working group, we said, okay, you, you, they said you love running and you love conservation. Why don't you take a celebrity for a run and on your run go and meet interesting people? So we, we, shot, we filmed the pilot. And I take a guy called Ed Stafford out, and he's a lovely, uh, he's similar to Bear Grylls in that he's, he's a world record holder. He walked the length of the Amazon jungle, and it took him two years. He's the only man to have ever done that. What's his name? Ed Stafford. Stafford, okay. Yeah. And uh, so Google him, and he's yeah. one of the nicest guys. He's such a humble bloke. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and he's done some really interesting shows. You know, they drop him on an island, and he has to survive with literally nothing. And... Uh, uh, so anyway, you can read up about him. But basically, I, I, I persuaded Ed to come down to Founders with me. And we spent um, three days there. And I said, Ed, what we're going to do is we're going to shoot this pilot. It's going to be called Natural Born Runners. And you, you're going to be my... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you're going to be my first guest. And uh, I'm going to take you on this run. And on this run, we're going to encounter cool, a whole lot of cool stuff. So here we... We wake up at about four o'clock in the morning and, and the sun's rising over founders and we go on our little jog and we chat a bit and I, we start unearthing his story. And then we run into Keith, our, our local vet, and, and we say, right, Keith, what's, what's up? Why are you here? And he says, right, we're going to dot Mandy the rhino. She's got a bullet floating around in her head because she was shot by poachers. And she's had this bullet embedded in her skull for about three years. And we've got to dart to every now and again just to make sure that her blood's all right and there's no infection and blah, mm, blah, blah. Mm. And so, and then we get Ed up in the chopper and, and he helps Keith dart the rhino. And then we tell the whole story about what's going on in the world of poaching. And then we continue on our run and we meet um, the anti-poaching unit. And, uh, and, and so uh, he, we dress Ed up in, a, in one of those suits and, uh, and the dog attacks him and <laughs> then we off in the chopper down to Clanamont, uh, and we we on the beach there. We do a run on the beach, and we, we we run with these great big sleds behind us, and we do a plastic cleanup, and we learn about the oceans, and, and so on and so on. So go, yeah. we go into a township, but it's a lovely format, and uh, we haven't even launched the video yet. But we just we we're putting the whole strategy strategy together for natural born runners, and I want that to become. Like you've got your platform, mm. um, ours is a, more of a video thing. And, and I'd well, you could also if, do like a Netflix series of that. Well, I'd love to. I, I, if if any of your listeners know anybody at Netflix, I'd love this to to go on. Well, to I'm one sure of those Bear Grylls knows someone at Netflix. Yeah, you're right. I, I haven't tapped him <laughs> up yet, but I I need to try and get more celebrities involved. So, um, but so gonna, would you want to get local celebrities, or I mean, because you I'm can gonna, also yeah. literally with your accolade from what I'm hearing, I mean, you could literally cherry pick and um, why did get Richard Branson? <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, I'd absolutely love that. Um, so are we, are we, we're going to put what all I want to do is get the pilot polished. And yeah, I'm just going to do one final voiceover, then it's done. Yeah, and then I can send that to a bunch of uh, celebrity contacts that I have and, and then hopefully that will we'll entice them <laughs> They to all come. better be fit. <laughs> yeah. No, I can imagine a conversation with a celebrity <laughs> who isn't fit. That's going to be quite a picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next, the next thing I want to do is probably go for a run in Rwanda. And so they'll come with me there or Ethiopia and then they'll go and unearth all the conservation stories that are happening. So it's, in those so, okay. So yeah, it's constantly bringing in the running with the conservation, but the, that can be in, it, it can be in any part of the world. It doesn't have yeah. to be Africa. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Oh, what so, a super cool, fun project. Yeah, and you know, if it, if it fails, that's fine. But at least I tried. Why would it so, fail? I mean, it's, it, there's, it won't fail. Uh, the TV world is a cynical No, world. I know that. Trust me, yeah. I, I also know this world quite well. Yeah. So yeah, It's a very, very difficult space, and it's very crowded now because of all the social media and everything else that goes on. So I've just got to uh, – I'm going to give it a, my best shot. And you know what? If it, if it fails, maybe Echo will take it on, and, 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 and Echo will say, right, why don't we pop it on every single television set uh, around our 5,000 hotels. Exactly. The world. How many TVs yeah. do and, you and, own? And for me, yeah. that's a win. Yeah, that's a win because all I want is I don't want to make money out of this. I want this to be a vehicle to teach people about conservation and a fun platform to present it on. But okay, but you did start by saying you're very fascinated with the production world and the TV world mm. and the film world. So, um, like, I, I, do you I have think... a little secret uh, desire there of something? I think um, I think this might be the first stab at it. You know, let's see where this goes. Um, like, would you uh, like to have your own show? Um, oh, listen, if if that if if somebody said, Paul, we want you to take this uh, natural ball runners to a to a new level, um, yeah, I would I would absolutely love that. I think I'd I'd say to my wife, let's take a year off. You know, we we've learned how to homeschool now, so let's homeschool Rosie for a year. Yeah, you know, and let's go on a, on this incredible journey and do it. I think because we've got one life. Let the, what the hell if we're given that opportunity? Um, I'll have to persuade my dad because I have to keep in touch with the business. I have to persuade our partners at core. Um, but I, I think I'd, I'd, I would I would probably jump at the opportunity. And if it was just a year, so be it. You know, and then you step back into the the boots of everyday life. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'd be a fool not to um, uh, embrace an opportunity like that. Well, you're already embracing it so you've already started yeah the i'm gonna give it a shot you're yeah, yeah, you yeah. you are you are giving it a shot yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but i think also um, you know i, I think uh, as mantis we need to be more uh, conscious that we've got all this rich content and we are not exploiting it i mean if you go to our social media media handles today they they are very poorly run and i'll be uh, you know I'm, I'm ceo so i'm the only one uh, the buck stops here so but but i think um, that we we as a team we all know that and we're going to start with our big brother now to to fix that and we're going to be doing a lot of video stuff so I did tell you a few days ago when we first spoke to and I know you didn't want to watch any of our videos but now that you know but yes now go business, have a look yeah yeah so I'll encourage your listeners to do it too is to just log on to YouTube uh, subscribe to the Mantis Collection um, a YouTube channel and you'll see our whole story is being unraveled during COVID. So dad tells the whole story of Mantis. I chime in, Abigail, my wife chimes in and tells the story of Born Free. There's some fascinating content on there. And I think it's the start of Mantis TV. Oh, you know, that's I think super we, cool. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a great, there's a great opportunity to do that. And I wouldn't mind really uh, getting, getting in more involved in that. That, yeah. that could be the future of my life in TV. So. Oh, wow. That's lovely. Yeah. So we'll see where it all goes, you know. Yeah. Maybe we chat in a year's time or a couple of years' time again on your on your podcast. Exactly. And, and yeah. See what's we'll, what's up. Yeah. See how many more people have called you to uh to light a fire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I always in closing and, and listen, I do realise, um but in fact, just in a nutshell, like um, I did say to you that I just wanted to ask you briefly on sort of the COVID thing and how you're going to recuperate there and the fact mm. that your dad would have a fabulous answer for it. Um, do you have a sort of nutshell um, 
Yeah, I guess, uh, Jen, I think it's, um, you know, right now it's almost not, I think we've got, we've had to hibernate our assets and, and they need to go into hibernation. We just got to protect our assets, yeah. make sure that they're well looked after and just preserve for when the floodgates open. Um, I think the world's a cynical place and I think everybody says that things are going to change and we're going to live better, blah, 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 blah. I'm afraid that we have very short memories and if, if somebody finds a vaccine tomorrow, you know, we'll be climbing on planes as much as we did. And, and I really hope that the world becomes more conscious and that we don't resort to the, the normal ways um, because if this isn't a wake-up call, I don't know. But but for Mantis, I think it, it's going to be um, uh, hopefully going to be this this eco-lodge investment fund. It's going to be our big brother partner that's going to help us survive this. Um, and I think, um, we, we, as I said, we're going we're gonna to do our best to help people on this journey out of this mess and um and then uh, and then i think hopefully we'll be well primed for <clears throat> the conscious traveler that's yeah. going to definitely emerge out of this yeah um so that's my guess i mean uh, the, the well, crystal there's the ball keyword, is, and that's a nice keyword actually is the conscious yeah. traveler yeah the crystal ball for all of this is very murky still um, but uh, you know, every day we wake up hoping that we're gonna we, we're gonna see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm not seeing it yet. Um, certainly not in our industry. But but we've got to try and remain optimistic. And you know, clean up your back house. Everybody says that. Produce videos. Get creative. Because when you're locked up, funny enough, we all get very creative. Yeah, it's amazing. a weird thing that happens in our brains. Make use of it. Mm. Yeah. So all right. In closing, so Paul Gardner, the optimistic. <laughs> runner conservationist um yeah just uh, yeah open-hearted person what like what's your sort of tip for people out there who maybe yeah aren't operating from the sort of openness and optimism that you seem to operate from and I'm not saying every day. I mean, you're human. I know, as you said, yeah. you know, we have our dark periods and, well, you spoke mm. about insomnia um, for 10 years. So, you know, what's been your sort of, uh, well, <laughs> I was going to say what's been your sort of saving grace, but I was thinking, well, running, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, more on a sort of psychological uh, perspective, like, yeah, what's the, what gets you through things or gets yeah, you, I, you know? It's a good, it's a very good question. And I think, and I think for me, it is, you know, have have a little sideline thing in your life. You know, we get buried with our kids and 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 uh, and work and just this grayness. If you just have this little sideline thing brewing and 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 that keeps your creative juices flowing, that excites you. Even if you spend a couple of hours on that a day, if you can find the time to do it, just have that ticking over in the background because you might find a gap one day when you can bring that to light. Um, and that's my small little tip. Yeah, it's a nice one. And I think not even a couple of hours. I mean, I think even an, an hour, even half an mm. hour a day, you know what I mean? Absolutely. If you picture, yeah. you know, people with kids and full-time jobs, yeah. et cetera. But um, yeah, that's it a might, nice yeah, one. I like be, that one. It, it might be writing. You may have wanted to write the book for all your life. And, you know, life goes so quickly before you know it, you still haven't done it. And, you know, just start jotting, jotting things down. It doesn't have to be much. Just keep a little memory bank of all those good things because those are the little things that that keep uh, keep us ticking over i think yeah and also the creativity right yeah yeah keep creative that's very that's a nice positive thing creative but you your place is closer than mine 
Paul, thank you so much for coming on to the show with me. I feel like I've traveled the world. I feel like I've had Jerry Halliwell on the phone and I feel like I've sat in your boma already. Um, you're such a positive uh, source. You're an inspiring person to talk with. You have such a beautiful nature about you, open-hearted, genuine, down-to-earth. Thank you so much for coming on to the show with me and for just being open and sharing your life story. And now that we've gone into this, it's like now I need to ask you more questions. So we definitely will uh, join again together in a year's time and find out where you're at with your, your passion project. Well, they're kind of two passion projects, right? It's that eco project, but then it's also this um, natural born runners. So watch the space and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. So guys, it's now that time for me to introduce my next guest. So guys, my next guest on the show, her name is Jasmine Bonkhartz and, uh, yeah, what a powerhouse of a woman she is. She has recently started uh, an authentic eyewear glasses business for children. And um, there is a hilarious personal story behind uh, how this business actually, uh, or should we say how the penny dropped to start this business. So um, I have a huge smile on my face. She's a super inspiring woman, unstoppable um, has the most amazing energy as well. It, it was just a gorgeous conversation, amazing conversation for anybody who's looking for inspiration, any mothers out there, any, uh, any, uh, yeah, mothers or fathers wanting to start their own businesses and just hear how, um, her business came about. And, you know, she spent a whole year, uh, with her business partner trying to get investment and, um, you know, any of you wanting to start businesses or have tried or are thinking about doing it, you know, it takes commitment and um, she shows this and her energy uses it. And as I said about Paul, you know, if you become like the people you surround yourself by, then listen to her conversation as well, because she's just a super cool powerhouse, unstoppable woman. So I cannot wait to share that interview with you guys next week. In the meantime, guys, don't forget to subscribe on Instagram. Go on to the website, uh, inspirationalinterviews.com. Go check out all of Paul's uh, details as well, which I'll have on the website, which is inspirationalinterviews.com, and you can uh, find links there. Share this with friends, and as I always say, see you on the flip side.